Listener production. Hey, Tom Tilly with you. In this briefing, a bold idea to help problem gamblers. Now, this is a sobering stat. Australians lose more on gambling than any other country. On average, Australians lose over $1,200 a year on gambling. I'm what I call a compulsive gambler, and I might start depositing $100, $200, $300, and then it escalates to sort of $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, $20,000. Yeah, a new gambling activity statement is going to make it very clear how much people are losing. So will that change gambling behaviour? Find out in our briefing right after today's headlines with Antoinette Latouf. It's Wednesday, August 3. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has landed in Taiwan and she's the highest ranking American to visit the island in 25 years. Pelosi has issued a statement and in it she says, America's solidarity with Taiwan is more important today than ever as the world faces a choice between autocracy and democracy. But the visit has angered China, which claims the island as its own. And in response, China will conduct live fire military drills around the island. There is no reason for Beijing to turn a potential visit consistent with longstanding U.S. policy into some sort of crisis or conflict. So that was the U.S. National Security Coordinator John Kirby there. The U.S. um, has stationed four warships and an aircraft carrier nearby. So pretty high stakes here. The Biden administration has stressed Mm. that Pelosi's visit is classified as unofficial, while the U.S. military advised against it. Yeah, Tom, so Pelosi is on a tour of Asia, and that includes visiting places like Singapore and Malaysia, and her stop to Taiwan hadn't been announced, um, but it was pretty anticipated. And, you know, throughout her 30 years in Congress, she's never really minced her words when it comes to China. She's always been a persistent critic, even if it went against the government of the day. She's actually called herself, and quite proudly, um, one of the most disliked people in China. And a former Treasury advisor is calling on the Governor and the Board of the Reserve Bank to resign. This comes as our central bank pushed up rates by half a percent for the third time in three months. Economist and former Treasury advisor Warren Hogan told News Corp that Governor Philip Lowe misled borrowers badly when he said rates would stay at record lows until 2024 and was at risk of compounding those by jacking up the cash rate too quickly because they're raising them so quickly they don't understand the true impact. Yeah, in four months, rates have gone up 1.75%, which is the fastest rate hike cycle since the 90s Mm. Um, and it's causing massive pain for mortgage holders and a lot of criticism of Philip Lowe. It's that combination, as Warren Hogan said, of saying um, we'd be at 0.1% until at least 2024 and then suddenly, less than six months later, jacking up rates so quickly. Yeah, and because of this last month, there was a review announced, um, an independent review into the RBA. And there hasn't actually been a review, Tom, since the 1980s. It probably would have been a better idea if Australia had a model, say, similar to New Zealand, where they have an independent review every five years and they don't wait 40-odd years and in response to um, a pretty dire economic crisis and a series of questionable decisions. And today, the Greens leader will reveal where the party stands on the federal government's climate change bill. Adam Bant's going to speak at the National Press Club. He's already signalled Labor's emissions target of 43% by 2030 should be the minimum 
not the maximum. So it comes one week after the bill was introduced to Parliament by Minister for Climate Change, Chris Bowen. Bant is also expected to call on the government to make childcare and dental health care free in the upcoming October budget. And the defamation battle between the Western Australian Premier Mike McGowan and Clive Palmer is over with the federal court ruling they've defamed each other. So these actions came from a dispute about WA's border closure and a separate commercial dispute over Palmer's mining company. So the damages, they're not that big. Um, the Premier is set to receive $20,000 while the mining magnate Clive Palmer will get $5,000 and legal costs will be determined later this month. Yeah, and they are expected to be far bigger than those damages. In his judgment, the justice essentially said the matter had been a big drain on the court's time and taxpayers' money and added... These proceedings have diverted court time from resolving controversies of real importance. (laughs) Controversies of real importance. Yeah, there was a lot of hot air over this one. To the Commonwealth Games and Emma McKeon looks set to break another record if she picks up a medal in the medley relay final today. So this could be her 19th medal in a Commonwealth Games and that will be the most of any athlete um, outdoing shooter Philip Adams who won 18 medals across five different games. Emma McKeon's only in her third Commonwealth Games. And yesterday we were talking about her reaching the gold medal record. Now she's very close to the total medal record. Meantime, our gymnastics winning streak continues with a one-two in the women's balance beam. Kate McDonald coming first, while teammate Georgia Goodwin took silver. And Australia is still at the top of the tally with 86 medals and 34 of them gold. All right. Thank you, Antoinette. Katrina Blowers is about to join me as we look at a bold solution for problem gambling. All right, now to our briefing on the Gambling Activity Statement, which is a bold new initiative that clearly shows how much people are losing, Katrina. Yeah, so from this week, more than a million Australians who have an online betting account will start receiving these monthly statements. And it's based on behavioural research that's found that statements like this actually help us bet less. Yeah, you look at the statement and go, oh my God, what Mm. have I done? think otherwise people like avoiding bad news but here it will be in black and white so someone who thinks this is a good idea is Anthony and we're just going by his first name Um, he's got a crazy story he lost nearly one million dollars gambling online and he's been able to turn his life around and now he's here to warn others about the dangers of online betting Anthony thanks for joining us tell us how you got into trouble with gambling my gambling problem started with online gambling with the sports betting companies I was doing horse racing and sports betting. And it really started with the difference in deposits. You know, I'm what I call a compulsive gambler and I might start depositing $100, $200, $300 and then it escalate to sort of $5,000, $10,000, 15000 20000 and no one would blink an eye. It was kind of disturbing that I'd get a call from the bank if I spent $40 in the wrong suburb with my credit card Yet here I was depositing massive amounts of money in the middle of the night and no one blinked an eyelid. So how much did you lose all up? I think it was 980000 was oh. the final total when I was forced to sit down and have a look at it. The mind boggles of how, how on earth did you afford this? I, I didn't. I was given credit by betting companies. So I'd use credit from one betting company to the next. Uh, I'd use savings and things like that. But I lost opportunities, I lost companies, all that type of thing because of gambling. 
At what point did you realise this was an issue for you? I'm sure that there was some initial kind of niggles where you're like, oh, and then you didn't want to think about it. But then when was that moment that I guess you had that deep realisation? The unfortunate thing about compulsive gambling is you have that realisation every day, but you can't share it with anybody. Because if you tell someone how much you've lost, you think everyone's just going to walk out of your life. So you actually have that realisation every day that you're gambling. But in the same breath, you have the idea that you can get yourself out of that hole by doing the thing that's got you in the hole in the first place, which is more gambling. It's just a ridiculously disgusting way of thinking. It's absolutely horrible. So how much damage did this do to your life and how did you turn your life around? The end of my gambling, you know, I've I've got two daughters and they, they said one day, Dad, will you come for a swim with us? And I said, I'd lied to them and said I was working on the computer when I was gambling. And this is a seven, eight-year-old at the time. And um, I said, sure, sure, I'll come for a swim with you. And they came back in sometime later and they said, Dad, we're really disappointed. You said you'd come for a swim with us. And I said, look, it's only been half an hour. And they said, no, Dad, it's been three hours. I looked at my watch and I looked at them and I just lost it. I just went, wow, I've been lying to seven and eight-year-olds. I can't even go swimming with my kids And it's the time that it took away from my family, from friends, you know, that's what catches up with you. And and you just feel like the biggest loser on the face of the planet. And and you are, but it's, again, there's nothing I could do to stop what was going on. You talk about, you know, that sort of denial and, and a lot of people talk about the shame as well. How did you reconcile that and how did you come clean to people who you're close to in your life about the actual level of debt that you're in? Well, the only way that I could come clean was when everyone walked away from me. You hang on to any tiny thread of people hanging into your life as long as you can. But as soon as everyone walked away, that was the time that I just went, well, wow, there's nothing left. I might as well come clean here and and it's not a matter of coming clean. It's, it's it's actually a huge relief being able to share it with someone. And that's why uh, over the years I've talked about it's such a secretive disease. It's such a secretive thing that men hold in. A lot of men, uh, I'm not saying women don't have the problem as well, but um, that's the bit that gets you the most is that secretive stuff. So I had to lose everything before I was able to finally um, come out and, and tell everyone what had happened. I'm one of the fortunate ones. A lot of people are losing their lives. They don't get that opportunity. And I had a suicide attempt myself. A lot of people actually, you know, die because of this. And and it's just not talked about or or mentioned at the moment. So what do you think of this idea of a loss statement? Do you think it'll make any difference? Absolutely. It's a world first. Like, it's kind of ridiculous to think that, you know, at the end of your Woolies bill, you you get an itemized list of what you've bought and then you get a total at the bottom. Well, why has it taken so long for gambling companies to give you an itemised total list? They give you an itemised list of what you've been betting, 800 pages in some cases, but they never give you the total. And why not? Because they don't want you to see how much you're losing every month. And that starts those conversations too. It's a great conversation starter. You know, how much should I be allowed to lose gambling every month? Because that's what's going to happen. I'm not going to win. And, and wives and husbands and partners across Australia can start to have that conversation. How much is, you know, gambling responsibly? There really, really should be that conversation opened up. Do you think, though, that it might sort of backfire in some cases where it could exacerbate that sense of shame? Um, I think it's more of a relief 
to go, wow, that's a holiday to Fiji. That's the kids' school fees for next term. That's whatever amount it is. And I've never been one to say, you know, that the amount of money should be the gauge of the gambling problem. I've always thought the number of hours um, multiplied by the number of deposits you make in a week should be sort of the 0.05 of gambling if you want to measure it. But it's an absolute world first and it's fantastic that it's on statements because it just slaps you in the face. You can't argue with I'm minus $3,000 for the week. You just can't argue with that when you're only earning 1000 That was Anthony sharing a pretty vulnerable and also a wild story. So these activity statements were first recommended as part of the National Consumer Protection Framework back in 2018. That was a joint initiative of the states and the federal government, and now it's finally being implemented. Lauren Levine is the Director of Policy and Campaigns with Financial Counselling Australia. She was also part of a group who pushed for these statements to be made mandatory. Lauren, tell us how these activity statements work. It's really, really very simple, Katrina. It's like your energy account where you can come and you can see what you've used. So this statement's got uh, a few different pieces of information. It's got what you spent, what you've won, and your net result. And if your net result is overall that that you're ahead, it'll be in black. And if it's a loss, it'll be in red. Some people's brains just prioritise wins over losses. And they really don't have any great awareness that they've lost so much. So the statement's really useful in setting out just basic financial information regarding someone's gambling. And then also a detailed blow-by-blow insight into what their gambling looks like in terms of not only how much they've spent, but the time that they've spent gambling. So it gives some sort of perspective as to... um, what the gambling looks like, and we hope that people will get some sort of insight if their gambling is is causing them issues. Is that just a hope, or is there research to prove that having greater transparency on your losses will change behaviour? There is research. So, that, so the government had their beta team do a, a behavioural insights piece of research, and they simulated gambling, and they've showed that people who were shown their information bet less. And the more problematic someone's betting was, the more they had scaled back. I think it's going to be a very useful tool for a whole lot of people, not only for the people gambling, but for for family members Mm -hmm. to say, oh, we heard that your statements are being sent. Let's have a look and see what it looks like. And then helping keep each other safe because this money generally comes from family Mm -hmm. money. I don't want anyone to wake up one one day and to have this discussion, oh, I've got to talk to you and I have to tell you that we're losing the house. And I know that happens. So I'd really like this to be used as a, as a constructive tool, either with a counsellor, with family members, with mates, just get it out into the open to normalise talking about gambling. So which type of gambling providers will have to supply these statements and also will they be forced to? So this is for all the online wagering companies. There are about 150 licensed uh, companies in Australia. The big ones that we see advertising a lot on TV and then there are a whole host of new small ones that keep popping up and they'll all have to provide this. Every month it has to be pushed out. If they don't provide it, the, the regulators will, will be looking at that. 
So I'm hoping that uh, the regulators are listening to this and that they'll um, echo my calls that, that they're going to look out for compliance and, and monitor compliance because it's, it's just really important to keep people safe. That was Lauren Levine, Director of Policy and Campaigns at Financial Counselling Australia. And if you need help with gambling, there's the National Gambling Helpline and the number is 1800 858 858. That's 1800 858 858. There's also the National Debt Helpline where you can speak to a financial counsellor. They're on 1800 007 007 and we'll put those numbers in the podcast show notes. Yeah, it just seems like a very strong, simple, great idea, this activity statement, doesn't it? Yeah, and you've got to hope that eventually they'll start appearing on the screens of poker machines too because mm. that would be a pretty simple fix and a nice way to address that problem in pubs, clubs and casinos. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we're hearing that it's a job seekers market. So how do you get the most out of these conditions? How do you get the best job with the most pay? Some great advice for you in tomorrow's briefing. Listener.